But first Samuel chapter 18 verses 5 through 12. I want to talk to you today about how destructive it is to make the wrong assumption. First Samuel chapter 18 verses 5 through 12. It says this. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it had happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine, that's Goliath, that the women had come out of all of the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy and musical instruments. Look who they came out to meet came out to meet King Saul. They didn't come out for David, so they start to sing this song. And as they danced, they said, Saul has slain his, his thousands, David his ten thousands. And then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now watch this. This is where Saul's life really started a downhill trajectory. It's already on the way down at this point, but this is where he really lost his mind. He said this, Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward, and it happened on the next day that a distressing spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied inside the house. Notice this, that not everybody who prophesies has a pure spirit. Just a heads up when the elections start coming around. And, <laughs> and y'all fall for it again. All right, okay. Just a, just a heads up. <laughs> oh, man, sorry. I didn't mean to take that Band-Aid off. Some of you are just healing over. And he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's Hand And Saul cast a spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. Now, David's a way better person than me. Because all it takes is for you to throw a spear at me one time. <laughs> and we aren't friends anymore. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> now, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that... You would speak to us clearly. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for everything you're doing. We love you. We're honored by your presence in the room. Help us to see where our wrong assumptions are hurting our relationships. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Saul, we're going to talk a lot about Saul today. Normally, David is the character of this story that we like to talk about, but I do want to talk about Saul today because I, I think Saul represents more of us than, than we believe. Like sometimes we read the Bible and we read the Bible and we're always David and Elijah, you know, we're always the ones killing the giant, but very often we can be our, we can be the giant, we can be Saul, we can be the enemy, we can be the problem. And, uh, I think it's, it's one thing to, to read the Bible and see yourself as the hero of the Bible. It's another thing to read the Bible and see yourself as the villain in the Bible. I think it's more appropriate, actually, to read the Bible and see yourself as the, vil the villain and not the hero and see Jesus as the hero 
and not the villain. Okay, all right, just thought I'd throw that out there. But Saul's like us. Saul's greatest battles were not the enemies standing in front of him. Saul's greatest enemy was the one inside of him. And what's happening to Saul is he is taking out what is happening to him on the people closest to him. Sometimes it's not that you don't love the people in your life, it's that you don't love you. And the Bible teaches us that one of the ways we love people is the way we love ourselves. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. But the problem with loving your neighbor as you love you is some of us don't love ourselves correctly, so no wonder we don't know how to love neighbors correctly. And so when you don't love yourself correctly you don't see the way God loves you correctly and that's what we've been talking about over these past few weeks and the reason we've been talking about how God loves us is because Jesus actually commands us to love others the way he has loved us and so we have to see how God through Christ has loved us so that we can properly love others first of all let me say this before we move on you and I were not made to be abused I thought I'd get a whole lot more amens than that, but maybe, maybe the coffee wasn't good this morning or they ran out of creamer or something. I don't know, but you and I were not made to be abused. Every one of us in this room has the right to walk away from physically and verbally abusive relationships. Every single person in this room. David was loyal to Saul, but it, it came a point where David knew his life wasn't safe with Saul, so he ran from Saul. In 1 Samuel 19, the next chapter, he actually runs and he spends years hiding from Saul. The Bible says in Proverbs 27 and 12, it says, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions, but the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Let's not be simpletons when it comes to relationships. If he yells at you before you're married, he'll probably put his hands on you after you're married. All right. Proverbs 12 and 18 says this, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Listen to what God says about violent people. Psalm 11 and 5, it says, The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, those who love violence, he hates with a passion. Just leave that there. So if you're putting your hands on somebody, physically harming them, verbally abusing them, treating them unlike Christ, just Psalm 11 tells you how God feels about you. All right. Assumptions. Let's talk about that because that's a whole other issue we were. But I wanted to make that very clear before we get into this and you assume that I'm I'm telling anyone in this room to stay in a dangerous situation. There was a, years ago, I was having, I was having uh, lunch with someone. And uh, during the lunch, I was, I was really fidgety. I, I know I was. I was, I was waiting to hear from Monica. She had gone and gotten a test, and we were actually waiting to receive the results from this test. So I'm sitting at lunch, and, and it's hard for me to have this lunch and this was you know when I first started pastoring so I was taking lunches with everybody who was asking me to go to lunch I was at lunch every day of the week just meeting with everybody I was exhausted but this one particular lunch I actually 
really, you know, was trying my best, but I was super fidgety because I, I kept pulling my phone out. I just was so focused on waiting on these results. It was a very important test that we were waiting for results on. And finally, during the lunch, right at the end of the lunch, I got the test results, and I just, you know, sent a text message back to Monica just praising God. The lunch ended. I went home. I thought everything was fine. I get uh, an email like three weeks later, we're leaving your church, you're just not the, you don't care about us, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I, I asked why, and he said, well, the, when we had lunch together, you just, you weren't, you weren't interested in what I was saying, you, you acted you know, like you had other places to be. And, and so I sent an email back usually don't respond to a whole lot of emails, but I sent one back and I said, I'm sorry, I, you, you don't know what was going on in my life that day, but let me explain to you why it was like this. Now, this person had made an assumption about me, not even knowing the full story of what was going on with me. Making a decision about someone or something without all the information is what an assumption is. So what happens when we don't have the information and we are too uh, full of pride to ask more questions, we make assumptions. And then what we do is we fill in the blanks with our interpretations and we connect dots that are very often not even there to connect. And as you read the Bible, what you start to find out about assumption is, is it is really the enemy of love. John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, Jesus said this. He said, a new commandment I give to you. You've heard it said, you know, love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is my commandment to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Well, what does the love of Christ look like? Well, I guess the best example we have other than him giving his life on the cross is 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, where the Bible says love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrongs, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. In other words, Paul is writing and telling us love actually assumes the best in others. Not the worst. So if you're going to assume anything, assume the best. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the dangers of assuming the worst. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verses 12 through 13 says this. Wise words bring approval, but fools are destroyed by their own words. Fools base their thoughts on foolish assumptions. So their conclusions will be wicked madness as they chatter on and on. Making assumptions does is it takes us out of our reality and it actually creates problems that don't even exist. So Saul asked this question based on a song David himself didn't even sing. What more can he have but the kingdom? First of all, you have to realize that the song was a lie. The song is not even based in reality. At that time, the only person David had killed was Goliath. He hadn't killed tens of thousands. He had killed Goliath, 
a lion and a bear, but as far as humans were concerned, only one. Yeah, it was a big one, but it wasn't tens of thousands. At that point, Saul had actually slain tens of thousands. So he actually is basing his entire disposition on a song that isn't accurate, a song that David didn't even sing. And because of this assumption, what more can he have but the kingdom? He starts to believe a lie about David that completely changes the trajectory of his life. Now, I just came to tell somebody your false assumptions, your worst assumptions are affecting the trajectory of your life. Uh, what is, why is that? Because assumption is, number one, it's the death of all communication. When you think you know how people think and feel, the first thing you do is stop listening. And the Bible teaches us that we as followers of Jesus, that we should be slow to speak and quick to listen. But it's funny that Christians can be the fastest to speak and the last to listen. Oh man, I'm preaching to us this morning, aren't I? What you do is you stop listening, and when you stop listening, you stop communicating correctly. And, and, and one of the things that happens to us when we stop listening is, is because assumption now has taken control of our life. We start to, just like Saul, we start to throw things at people. Now, we don't always throw a spear, thank God. But we throw gossip, insults, shade, right? Why? Because our insecurity is distressing us. And in the same way Saul's insecurity about D David caused a distressing spirit to come upon him, what you do now that you're distressed, you take your pain out on others. And so you will always, it's not just that you love others the way you love yourself, it's that you love others the way you love yourself. It's not just the command, but it's also the truth. It's not that you should love others the way you love yourself. It's that you will love others the way you love yourself. And when you don't love yourself correctly, your insecurities will ruin every one of your relationships because you will project how you see you into everything they say. <laughs> oh, let's just talk about how it happens in marriage. Hey, what about, what do you think about these pants? I'm not, I don't really like those pants. You think I'm ugly? <laughs> I didn't say anything about your face. I said. Something about your pants. So no wonder communication, especially in our nation, has broken down. Because you can't tell anybody the truth about their pants anymore. Because it's a reflection on their entire nature as a human being. You don't like my pants, you hate me. What, what are we talking about right now? <laughs> so when we're insecure, we project how we feel about us into everything other people say to us. Why is this? Because your memory has stored past pain in it. 
And what it does is it, it, it activates that pain whenever you recognize anything that feels familiar. Because what your brain does, my brain does, is it looks for patterns. So what we do is we bring our past pain into our current circumstance and then we ruin new things, good things, because we treat it like it's an old thing. What does assumption do? Assumption relies sometimes on old information to fill in the blanks of a current situation. So anytime a new thing starts to feel a little bit like the old thing, we start to assume that this new thing is now the old thing. And who can blame us? We've had some spears thrown at our face in life. But we cannot assume everyone with a spear in their hand is Saul. Sometimes you see somebody with a spear in their hand and your assumption could be that that spear is aimed at you. Have you ever been watching a movie and somebody like they turn to somebody they thought was their enemy and they've got a gun in their hand and then they shoot the gun and they're like, and they look behind them and they actually killed the other person. And there is an assumption in our lives sometimes that everybody that picks up a weapon is actually trying to harm us. But sometimes that person is actually trying to help us. So if you're not careful, you will assume that everybody in your life that carries a spear is like Saul. It happens to, to people that do what I do all the time. Because churches can really hurt people. And so very often you'll come into a, a new situation, a new church, and I'll start to talk about something that someone else used to take advantage of you. And you'll immediately shut down and you'll immediately start dodging that message. Because you think I'm going to use that message as a spear to throw at you instead of use that message as a spear to throw at the enemy who's trying to hurt you. And so if you, if you were in a, in a church that abused money, as soon as I start to talk about money, you'll start to assume that I'm the same way that that other person is. But what God is trying to do is free you from the pain and the hurt. He's actually trying to use the, the spear that the enemy threw at you to pin you to the wall, to throw that spear at the enemy, to pin the enemy to the wall, so you're not bound by that any longer. And so if you're not careful, you'll walk into brand new things and treat them like old things. And you'll walk from relationship, from relationship, to church, to church, job, to job. Because of the wrong assumption. Here's the thing. The truth is actually available to us. But we have an issue in our culture. <laughs> Even if we know the truth, <laughs> we use the truth Out of insecurity. Let me explain that to you. So, so if you're looking for truth, you can find truth. But, but what happens very often is in our search for truth, 
we're actually looking for things that tell us what we already think to be true. This is why you watch the news channel you watch. It's why you listen to the radio programs you listen to. Because they tell you what you already believe. <laughs> oh, man. So we, we, we want the truth, but we only want a truth that confirms our truth. We don't want the full truth. We want to live in an echo chamber that tells us what we want to be told. That's why in the last days, one of the things that we have to be careful of is that we don't fall in with the crowd that just goes to churches and listens to teachers who tell us what we want to hear because of our itching ears. And so even though they could be telling you the truth, sometimes it's not the fullness of the truth because it's only it's only comfortable to you because it's what you want to hear. You don't want to hear the whole truth. And what happens to us is we go to the news stations that fill in the blanks we want them to fill in. We go to the friends that fill in the blanks we want to be filled in. And anybody that challenges us is unkind and unloving. It's why we live in a culture where you, can't, you cannot be kind because if you're kind, it means you agree. But you also cannot disagree because if you disagree, it means you're unkind. I just refuse to live in either of those extremes. I'm going to be kind, but I'm also going to tell you when I disagree with your lifestyle. And, and for all the people who are so proud of their behavior that they have to throw a party about their pride. If you're so proud of it, why do you need my approval to do it? Just thought I'd put that out there just as a whole. And why is it unloving for me to tell you I don't agree? Well, I told Monica, I said, babe, I don't want to talk about this today. It's going to really, really make people mad. But I'm okay with that. Assumption is the path of least resistance. So it's also the path of least, least growth. So what you have to do is you have to fact check your feelings or your feelings will become sovereign and rule your life. Judges or John chapter 7 verse 24 says, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Assumption also allows you and I to hide behind our version of the story. And your version of the story isn't always the full version of the story. Proverbs says this in Proverbs 18 and 17. It says, any story sounds true until someone tells the other side and sets the record straight. <laughs> Assumption is dangerous because it gets into our children. 
You see this in Saul's life, his own daughter now who is married to David. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 20, she's making assumptions about David that are not even true. David has brought in the Ark of the Covenant back into the house of God, into the city of God. And he's rejoicing in the street. And as he's rejoicing, he's dancing pretty violently. His outer garment falls off and he gets back home. And this is what she said. How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servant as any vulgar fellow would. David's just out there praising God. He's not doing that for the women or to get attention. He's literally just out there praising God. And her assumption is that he is doing it for the women. And isn't it wild that when she makes this assumption, the Bible says that she was barren. Why? Because false assumptions will make you fruitless. It makes us miss opportunities. Why does it make you miss opportunities? Because you assume you're not qualified enough, so you don't apply. You tried that before, so you're not trying it again. Did work the last time, so it definitely won't work this time. So it's not only your... False assumption is about people that are hurting you. It's your false assumptions about you and your potential that are hurting you. And if you are stuck this morning, if you feel like you are in a place in your life that you are stuck, it is probably because you have assumed something you should not have assumed. So let me take the few moments we have left and talk to you about how to begin to walk away from bad assumptions in your life. Number one, ask more questions. Proverbs 18 and 2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Oh my goodness. If we look across social media right now, what do we see? A plethora of opinion. Nobody's asking questions. Nobody's looking for information. Everybody comes to the conversation with their opinion and they have no room for them to be influenced by any other idea, thought, way than their own. And Proverbs tells you this is limiting you because a fool, a foolish person takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his Opinion. Listen to what Proverbs 18 and 13 says. That people that they spout off before listening to the facts is foolish and shameful. In other words, what happens to many of us is before we even listen to what actually happened, we start to make assumptions about what happened. Oh man, this is happening every day in our culture. You see something that happens and you automatically assume, well, that happened because of this or that happened because of that or that happened because this is what's going on. And you come to find out after a few days after the truth kind of starts to disseminate among the people, that is not even what really happened. And if you're not careful, you and I will constantly find us ourselves in situations where we are spouting off at the mouth before listening to the facts and then we look foolish and 
shameful. Number two, you got to embrace uncertainty. <laughs> oh, man. Embrace uncertainty. When you can't ask the question, you have to embrace uncertainty. This is faith. This is really what faith looks like. Is that I don't have to have all of the answers. I don't always get the closure I wanted. I don't always get the apology I wanted. Things don't always end the way I wanted them to end. I have to live with the confidence knowing that even in the uncertainty, even in not knowing, God knows. And if God needs me to know, God can tell me what I need to know. So I got to embrace uncertainty. When I can't have the conversation, when I can't ask the questions, when I can't have the follow-up. But most of the time, you can ask the question. Maybe if you're sitting at lunch with someone that's fidgety and constantly looking at their phone, maybe we should go, hey, are you okay? Hmm. Hey, uh, you're, you're talking to me in a way that is really manipulative. Are you okay? Because what I found out is that most of the time that people act out on you, it's not you. They are personally experiencing pain that causes them to act out on you in a certain way, but it's nothing you have done. It's something that they feel is undone in them. And if we will ask the question, hey, um, have you thought about, my wife said this to me one time, she said to me, have you thought about how you're talking to me? I'm the man of this house. No, 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 no. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And when you embrace uncertainty, what you don't do is you don't fill in the blanks. Listen to me. When people let you know who they are, believe them. Believe them. But don't assume you know until they reveal who they are. Don't fill in the blanks. Embrace the uncertainty. Respond, don't react. Respond, don't react. If you are in a situation and you feel your, maybe you feel right now, you feel your blood pressure going up because you're like, this message, I didn't come for this today, bro. I come for this today. I came for you to tell me God loves me, and he does. He loves you. In spite of all of our bad assumptions, he still loves us. But he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. Come on, somebody. He's trying to help you today. So if you feel your blood, don't, don't react. Don't react. Respond. Sit on that. You know, I have a, I have a folder. I've talked to you about this folder that I have. 
And every now and then I have to delete it because it becomes a source of pride for me. But it's this folder called Drafts. (laughs) Where I write all the things I want to say. But I don't send them immediately. I sit on it for a little bit. And then I think about it. And then I wake up the next morning. And if I still feel that same way the next morning, maybe I'll send it then. But most of the time I wake up the next day and be like, man, you were crazy. Thank God you didn't send that. (laughs) The last thing I would ask you to do is reconsider. You and I, we could be wrong. You could be wrong. Man, I, t- I told somebody the other day, they, they, we were cleaning out one of the old, uh, one of the rooms and it had some stories and it had like CDs and like some actual tapes from like early messages. Stuff I preached when I was in my 20s, early 30s. And they came to me, they were like, hey, do you, do you want these? I was like, burn it. Burn all of it. (laughs) I don't want anybody to know I ever said that. That was out of control. You know? So as I look back at my life, man, have I been wrong. Have I been wrong about people? Can I tell you an assumption I've made, and I've even voiced this assumption very often and even used it as a leadership principle, but I don't use it anymore. I used to tell myself this, and I would tell Monica this, and I would tell my family this. Anytime my feelings got hurt or someone disappointed me, I would say this. I would say, nobody will ever care about this ministry as much as I do. No, the truth is nobody will ever be paid as much as you to do the ministry. But I think there are a lot of people in this room that care about this place just as much as I do. And I would use that because I just didn't want to get my feelings hurt. And so my assumption was people didn't care anybody that got mad and left they just didn't care maybe some of them really cared and maybe I just didn't meet their expectations maybe it wasn't what they thought it was going to be maybe God called them to some other place but to protect myself from being hurt I created this whole scenario in my mind where nobody cared about this thing as much as I care about this thing You know what that does? That puts you on an island all by yourself. You know what that also does? That makes even people who are supposed to be your friends potential enemies. And what Saul did was he took the person who could have become his greatest friend in life. And they could have been... However it went down, whoever was slaying tens of thousands and thousands, together they could have slain millions. But instead, Saul chose to take what could have been his greatest friend and ally and turn him into his greatest enemy. 
If you're not careful, you and I will do the same things in our life. Because of the assumptions, because of the pain, because of the things that we've gone through, because of the spears that have been thrown at us. And all of that is real. All of that is hurtful. But if we, if we don't let God heal us from all of that and let God love us in spite of all of that, to realize that even when people didn't love me perfectly, God still loved me perfectly. Even when people didn't have my best in mind, God still had my best in mind. And I have to trust that God is going to bring people into my life that are not going to use spears to throw, to pin me to the wall. But they're going to use those spears to pin the enemy to the wall. We're going to fight together. We're going to come together. You know, one puts a thousand to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. And what the enemy wants more than anything is a divided church. Because a house that is divided against itself cannot stand. God wants to bring us together. Just a bunch of people who've had some spears thrown at them. Not to come together and mourn and talk about all the spears that we've had thrown at us. But to talk about the God who delivered us from every spear that's been thrown at us. Every time the enemy tried to pin us to a wall, God gave me through the Holy Ghost the ability. Come on, anybody been, anybody been dodging some? And you have to understand this because there are times in your life where you have to fight differently. And God was not teaching David just how to fight in the, in the, in the wilderness with the sheep, with a slingshot. David was also teaching you that sometimes you don't fight by throwing stuff. Sometimes you fight by dodging. And if you're not careful, you'll be in a season where you need to dodge stuff and you're throwing stuff. And you're hitting people with rocks that you shouldn't be hitting with rocks. This isn't Goliath. So I got to ask more questions. Because what I want in my life is I want understanding. One of the best questions you can ask is when somebody says something that hurts your feelings is to look at them and say, what did you mean by that? Because my insecurity is saying you meant this. But I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you by assuming the best. Because even if you throw a spear at me, I know how to dodge it. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to explain to me why you said, why you did what you did. Because I want to understand more than I want to be right. So I think we all need help. I think we all need help with this. Because we're coming into a year that is going to be chaotic. I'm going to go ahead and prophesy to you and tell you it's going to be chaotic. If anybody tells you they know what's going to happen, <laughs> they don't know what's going to happen. All we know that is going to happen is at the end of all this, we win. I don't know how this all works out, but as a follower of Jesus, we win. I don't know what's going to happen to America. Doesn't look like we're at the end of this thing. 
some point this entire nation could dissolve, but my faith doesn't dissolve because my nation dissolved. My faith doesn't dissolve because interest rates are. So I want to, I want to make sure that I don't set my life on the wrong path because I asked a crazy question out of my own false assumptions. What more can he have but the kingdom? So Father, in Jesus' name, how we need the Holy Spirit because your spirit, he's a truth revealer. He shows us Jesus. The Spirit is a revealer. So John says, don't judge according to appearance. Judge righteous judgment. How do we do that? Only through the Holy Spirit. Only through the Holy Spirit can we correctly see the people that are in our life. Help us to Love, not, not simply the way we love ourselves, but help us to love the way you, Jesus, have loved us. In your name we pray and everybody in the room said amen. Can you stand on the feet with me this morning? If you're in the room today, every head bowed if you would. If you're in this room today and you would say, Robbie, man, I feel disconnected from God. Maybe you feel that disconnect because you have never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you feel that disconnect because you've been walking your own path and doing your own thing. Maybe you're trapped in some sin or shame that you feel and you feel separated from God. If that's you today and you've never given your life to Jesus or you want to make your way home today, we want to give you this opportunity today. And I'm going to count to three. And when I do, if that's you, I just want you to throw your hand up in the air today. And I want to pray with you. And I believe that in this moment, God is going to supernaturally meet you and change your life forever. So if that's you, you feel far from God today. and You want to be brought near through Jesus today. If that's you, one, two, three, throw that hand up in the air. If that's you. I see you, ma'am. Anyone else? Anyone else? One there. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? I see you. I see it's not too late. I see you, ma'am. Awesome. Awesome. Come on, Calvary. Can we pray with those who lifted their hands? Let's all say this together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. She gave your life for me. I give you my life. Take all of it. Have your way. Use me for your glory. I repent of my sins. I confess you as Lord. Thank you for saving me in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Come on. Can we put our hands together and bless God for those that made that decision today? Welcome home. We love you. Want to let you go this morning. And if you made that decision or you need prayer for anything, we'd love to meet you around front. If you have to go, we understand there's a number you can text on the screen. We'd love to connect with you today. God bless you. We'll see you. See you soon.